What, what, what's going what? on? Welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Missionary Podcast. I'm Ken McQuiller, and I'm excited for part three here of our series on deconstructing fundraising. I hope this has been helpful as just a fun way to kind of looking at fundraising in a different light, because I feel like sometimes it could be really, really challenging and really, really daunting. And today I'm going to focus on that, how one of the things that I've learned is that fundraising is not a stumbling block to ministry, but also it's a ministry in and of itself. So going to get into that, some good nonprofit tips, ministry update, the whole nine. So here we go. Let's start with the ministry update. So here we are. It is October 7th as this is dropping. Um, it's been kind of a little bit more of the same old, same old. One of the bigger things coming up next weekend is Eliana's birthday. So we're gearing up to have some, some family in town and also have a fun party. Um, we're doing a costume party since she was born right before Halloween. Um, so that's going to be fun. We um, Last year, our costumes weren't really fully fleshed out. The kids were. Um, Isaac was Woody and Eliana as a two-week-old was Jesse. It was a lot of fun doing that. But it'll be nice to have the whole family in town. But then also um, us as a family doing a, a group costume. So we're excited for that. Um, Learning Center keeps ripping and rolling. Um, we have a work day scheduled for the tavern tomorrow. So it's it's going to be, we're still kind of just pushing along, doing our thing. Um, I don't want to give up too much in the ministry update because the um, the last couple weeks has been kind of interesting as far as mission services, and I want to talk about that in Confessions of a Missionary. So in the meantime, um, stay tuned for a couple of things. We are about to launch our fall fundraising campaign. I'm not going to announce it fully yet because it's not fully fleshed out, but we're really excited about what that's going to look like. It's going to be something that is extremely new and awesome, and I'm really... I'm really excited to be kind of putting it together. So um, if you don't follow us on social media, make sure you do, because that's where you get all of the awesome updates. Uh, McQuillers underscore in underscore CLE on Instagram, now on TikTok as well, and also on Facebook. Uh, we have a Twitter. We never use it, so I don't really say that we have a Twitter. So uh, check us out there. Make sure that you continue to pray for us. Um, the last week or so has been awful as far as the kids sleeping through the night. And we've just had a lot of long nights um, between uh, the Ohio Ministry Network had their celebration tour. And it seems like every time on like a Tuesday or Thursday night, we've had something going on. So um, pray with us that we can get some good rest and our kids can get good rest too. So that's our ministry update. Now we're going to do a nice nonprofit tip. So for today's nonprofit tip, last week I talked a little bit about specifically Apple. I want to kind of broaden that a little bit and give you guys a few resources that you can use for your technology. Because technology, like I said last week, is great when it works. Um, and I spent a lot of hours trying to get our iPads to fully work and function. 
but I want to give you guys a few things that you can look at to um, to have for your nonprofit, a few resources that are specific towards nonprofits. The first one is TechSoup. TechSoup is a website that um, works with a whole bunch of different tech providers to give software and equipment to nonprofits at a very discounted rate. So some of the things that you can get off of them, first I'll start with QuickBooks. You can get QuickBooks for $75 of an administrative fee as opposed to the $400 throughout the year that it would cost. QuickBooks Online too, I'll just throw that out there. Um, so there's that. Microsoft 365, you get um, a certain amount of subscriptions for a very discounted rate. So I think it's usually around $150. I believe all you have to do is pay like a $9 admin fee. Um, you can get like printers. We've looked at possibly purchasing a printer through HP for nonprofits that's connected to TechSoup. Um, they have a bunch of PCs on there too. So there's a lot of different things that you can look at. I would encourage you to go and register. The only thing that you really need is your determination letter, kind of like with any other type of nonprofit thing. So check out TechSoup. They have some good software. As far as fundraising software, I haven't seen anything, but I'll get to that in a second. Next is Apple. I mentioned it last week, but in more detail. So look at part two of deconstructing fundraising if you want like kind of a full-blown um, detail-oriented account on Apple devices. But I'll just say again, Apple Business Manager, if you set that up, you also register your account as a nonprofit, you can purchase Apple products through that portal for tax-free. So you can get, like let's say you want an iPhone for your business. Um, you can use that. And it can also be remotely managed through your own personal server. You can also get um, iPads and and other devices like AirPods. If you want to do like a, a giveaway where you're giving away an AirPod, you can spend less on it because you don't have to worry about taxes. Or you can find it refurb. I don't know if they do refurbished AirPods, but even like iPads, iPhones, things like that. So check out Apple Business Manager. And last, kind of mentioned it a couple minutes ago here, fundraising software. One of the things that I've always had an issue with is finding really good, affordable fundraising software. Um, I remember when we got like the first few checks from Facebook and they mentioned Network for Good. Um, I had seen one of their pretty cool resources and then got like their sales pitch. Well, a Network for Good has really awesome fundraising software, but it's also like, I think 100 or $150 a month. So you're talking a lot of money for fundraising software. Um, I've looked at Little Green Light a little bit. Little Green Light seems to work pretty well. Um, people have mentioned Salesforce a lot. Um, I've heard it in school. A lot of like forums that I may follow on social media, they've, they've mentioned Salesforce. Salesforce for me really never worked the way I wanted it to. I think if you take the time to like learn the software, which like we're talking probably about 10 hours worth of work, then yeah, it could probably work pretty well for you. But I, uh, 
I did find us fundraising software that is for free and also is free for the donor if they want. Because that's the other thing that we've been looking at is a lot of times when you're trying to get a donate button, someone will donate $25, but your organization will only see 22 of that. Um, we've That was a big thing with PayPal. I signed up for, this is also, this wasn't intended to be talked about, but hey, maybe someone can use it. If you have a PayPal account, make sure you look up PayPal Giving Fund because they offer nonprofits, if you qualify, and not every nonprofit, not every 501c3 qualifies, just as a disclaimer. Um, if you register for the PayPal Giving Fund, you actually can get all of your donations without any fees attached to it. So there's that. But if you're looking for a fundraising software where you can um, create fundraising campaigns, you can do peer-to-peer -peer campaigns, and also volunteer coordination, um, send out automated thank yous for anybody that gives, check out Zephy, Z-E-F-F-Y. Um, Zephy can kind of offer all of that. And when people donate to them, technically it's free, but the, the person that's giving has the option to donate to Zephy to continue to operate as is. Now, just for anybody that may be looking at it, it's not default to be free. It's default to like a 18% or whatever it may be. But you can choose not to donate at all. So technically it is free. And either way, if someone says, I'm going to give $20, you're getting $20, even if they end up paying $25 as opposed to $20 or whatever they may be. So check out Zaffy. I'm still new at it, so I can't say, oh, yeah, this is the most amazing thing ever. But it's at least something to check out. Um, we created a peer-to-peer a -peer campaign, kind of, once again, teaser from our ministry update. And it seems like it's working pretty well. And it was pretty easy to do. You could also have, like, a full page where you could have several options for um, monthly gifts or one-time gifts. And it could also tell you, like, the specific... You can create it so that it tells the specific impact. So check it out. There's a few different things to help you with your technology because even though I know we're past COVID, still doing stuff technology is still really important. All right, so let's talk some deconstruction here. Um, if you're, this, this is the first time you're listening to this series, I'm using the phrase deconstructing fundraising intentionally. Because when it comes to deconstructing our faith, a lot of people, like that's kind of become a, a popular trend recently where they look at some of like people, I've noticed a lot of people that are hurt by the church are looking at their faith from a little bit of a different perspective. And they're asking themselves, why do they believe what they believe? And kind of trying to unlearn some of the, the things that they feel like they need to unlearn. So with me, the last, um, especially over the summer, but the last few weeks here, last few months, I, um, I've been doing a lot of deconstructing of fundraising because like the traditional way of fundraising seems to be a little bit daunting for me. 
Um, first of all, as a U.S. missionary associate, I never really had like that time where I was just itinerating, which I know like some people like that's like especially if you're a world missionary, like that's kind of what you do. But like I'm also like doing the work as I'm fundraising. But then also it just seems very like impersonal and very like, well, this is not fun at all. And, and that kind of leads me a little bit more into what my topic is today. Fundraising is a lot more than just like the stumbling block to ministry because I feel like a lot of times, whether you're talking a faith-based nonprofit, whether you're talking a non-faith-based nonprofit, whether you're talking as a missionary, it kind of seems like, well, we really want to do this, but money is in the way. And like I've said before, I fully understand money is important. Money makes your nonprofit, makes your missionary do what they can do. It's very hard to to offer programming and to minister to people when you don't have enough to put food on your table or you don't have enough to pay the bills. So it is important. Fundraising is, is a ministry, though. It's not just something that's stopping you from ministry or is getting in the way of ministry. Because the bottom line is, as a missionary, as a nonprofit leader, you have to kind of look at how you approach people in kind of a dual role. Yes, you are ministering to the people that, that are coming to you. Another phraseology would be your clients. So I'll use us as an example. So we minister to the inner city of Cleveland. We minister to children here at the Learning Center. However, we also minister to <coughs> our donors and those that give. And not only those that give their funds, but their time and their talents, as well as their treasure. So, like, it's important to remember that the people that are giving to your ministry, they also have needs. Like, sometimes I think of the pastors that um, give to missions on a regular basis. Like, you know who probably is the most underserved group of people? It's not just nonprofit leaders, but also pastors. How often do you hear people like checking in on their pastors to see, hey, are you okay? Um, or like some of the struggles that they may deal with on a regular basis. Like there's a lot of different things that people, that pastors struggle with. And like that's why like the, the rate of pastors resigning from ministry is so high and suicide rates continue to climb, especially like in a climate like now where I think even like a year, year and a half ago when the whole debate of COVID was so huge and whether you should open, whether you should close and half the church would want you to open and the other half would want you to close. And then the race issues where it just becomes a very big political and just a very volatile situation. And like, there are some churches that were like ripping at the seams because of it. So like pastors have needs too. And also like a lot of times you think of, what do you think of like those, big time, um, like major donors, usually think like, oh, well, they don't need anything. Did you ever think, because I read this in a book, I'll recommend this, I think I've recommended it before, The Spirituality of Fundraising by Henry Nouwen. If you haven't read it, check it out, especially if you are a fundraiser or if you're going into the mission field. 
I think it's a really interesting book in how it frames fundraising. So in that book, the, the author mentions that a lot of times when we look at major donors, we think that they don't need anything. But really, they need people that authentically care about them. Because so often, if you are, say, the richest person in your network or in your circle, people just want to use you for money. And they don't really actually care about you. And it's one of those things where, like, yeah, people that have a lot tend to still have a lot of needs. And I think it's important to say, like, we have to be willing to recognize that people, the people that are giving, the people that are serving, they have needs too. And as a, as a missionary, we have a very unique opportunity to minister not just to the people in their congregation, but also to the pastors themselves. As nonprofit leaders, we have the opportunity not just to serve the clients that come into our doors every day, but those that also are, are giving. Whenever I see someone that I know um, that has some kind of issue, whether it's um, their, one of their parents are in the hospital or a spouse is not feeling great, I try to, at the minimum, reach out on Facebook and say, like, hey, we're praying for you. Um, but then also try to send a card because, like, sometimes people don't say, like, enough. Like, hey, like, we're praying for you. We're there for you. So just make sure that you're always there as recognizing the people that you're, you're asking for funding to. They also have needs. They have, they have this desire to do something. And, and when you look at fundraising from that perspective, that it's not just – it's not just, well, I got to get the money so I can get over the hub to do what I really want to do. But you look at it as along the way, I can help not just the people that I'm serving, but the people that are coming alongside me to serve the same people. It, it changes how you look at, at fundraising. Also, kind of along those same lines, when it comes to fundraising, I feel like the traditional way of fundraising it's just a little, to me, it's a little impersonal because in missions, teachings, and workshops, and everything like that, the, the typical way to do it is you go through the, the directory of people that you know, because as a missionary associate, that's, you're not supposed to just randomly cold call everyone and anyone. Um, but you go through, you ask for um, a cup of coffee and tell them about your mission. And then after you get the cup of coffee and you talk about your mission, then you ask them for a faith promise and then they ask you to come in for a mission service or whatever their process may be. And then you usually don't hear from them again. And while to some extent that'll work and I've gotten mission support that way, for me, it's kind of like looking at it from, let's say you're building a church, not like physically building a church, but building, um, like planting a church. People will get plugged in through various means, not just one. Think about why you may give to certain people. 
you may not necessarily give to them all because of the same reason. I mean, if you do, more power to you. But I know for myself, there are some where I had to experience the person and see kind of like what they do firsthand. There are some because I've known them and have a good relationship for a long time. And I look at a lot of the people that give to our ministry and they've come from various different means, whether it's through area meetings here in Cleveland, whether it's going to different events around the nation, whether it's because they came and served and saw like the impact that this community could have on, on God and on the world. Like, there's a lot of different reasons why people give. There's a lot of reasons why people get involved. And I think when we look at fundraising as like, okay, so we're planning a church, we're building a community in that way, it's going to look very, very different from the way that the world may see it or the way that others may do. Because like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't meet with people and ask for funds over coffee or over lunch or whatever. Like that still works. For me, that's not the only way that people give. Um, people want to be involved in something before they just give to it blindly. Just think about it. Like, they're giving their hard-earned money towards your cause. And what if they are a little hesitant about where that money is going? They don't want to give, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I just bought a new BMW or something like that. So it's just important to... To recognize that people will get involved and give through different ways. And I think it's also important to say, like, just because someone's not necessarily giving doesn't mean that they don't care about your cause. If they're learning about it, they still are very passionate about what you do. If they're praying for you regularly, then they still care about what you do. I remember long, like, for since I've been a missionary, I always get the well, I can't give, but I can pray. And sometimes, I think I said this last week, sometimes it can be lift service. Sometimes they're just kind of saying it. But people that pray and are praying consistently, it's just as important as giving a $25 faith promise. That's not to say that you don't need the faith promise. But also, like, if people are praying and, like, looking to seek the Spirit, and then all of a sudden they get an urge to give, like that's going to be from God. And that progression is naturally going to happen at some point. If people are very passionate about trying to figure out the whole low-income neighborhood thing, the, um, the inequalities that happen due to race and ethnicity, <coughs> like they, in the end, they'll want to give. It's going to be just like the progression of it. So when you think of giving as like the only entry point into your, into your organization or volunteering, which volunteering is also important, and I would also say just as a side note, volunteers are twice as likely to give to your organization than non-volunteers. But anyway, if you're looking at it just from a giving perspective, like that's the only way that people get involved, other people don't want to just get involved that way. Some people, they want to get their hands dirty and serve. Some people really need to learn about a mission and a vision before they actually give to it. Some people, they, they really want to like share what they do to your clients or to the people that you serve. So there are a lot of different entry points. And when we look at fundraising as a ministry, 
we want to help provide those ministry opportunities for those that are looking to get involved in your community, not just those that, um, that work for you or that are part of your organization. So, like, people have different entry points. And think about it from a church perspective. Obviously, like, if you're a pastor, your goal for every single congregation member is to be on fire for God. But how people get there is very different. Some people are a little bit more musically gifted, and because of that, they're on the worship team. And then it's through being on the worship team that they get on fire for God. Some people are a lot more, like, academically based, and they need to, like, study the Bible thoroughly and, like, learn about, like, all of the different um, expositional aspects of Hebrews in order to really, like, be on fire for God. There are some people that the way that they get on fire for God is helping with the little kids. There are some people that the way that they get on fire for God is by doing the administrative work. So, like, there are so many different ways that people can get involved, and we have to look beyond just, well, if they're not giving money, then they're not valuable to me because people are very valuable in a lot of different ways. And the last thing I wanted to say, and this to me kind of has helped me see fundraising as ministry the best, is when we see our fundraising group as a community. I had mentioned before that this, this year we did something very interesting. We, um, we started a fantasy football league specifically for the Learning Center where everyone paid like a small fee Winner gets half of the, the joint prize, and then the other half gets donated to the Learning Center. And it's been fun to kind of build community because there's been a lot, of, a lot of guys that I've um, reached out to that, like, they love football and kind of lost touch with them over the years or, like, we kind of text casually. But, like, kind of in these last couple months here, like, we've grown a lot closer. Like, guys have been praying for each other, sending just encouragement texts, kind of sharing a little bit more about like what they've been up to. We've had a couple of Zoom calls. It's been really fun. And I think more than anything, it's important to kind of build that community because once again, the people that are giving, it's not just about them giving. It's about being part of a community, being part of something that's going to last, being part of something that helps encourage someone. So fundraising and all, is a ministry. It's not a stumbling block to ministry. It's not something that's getting in the way. So with that, I want to just encourage you, like, if maybe going and getting coffee is something that could be intimidating for you, find ways to make fundraising fun. And I know that's a horrible pun, and I don't care. Um, like, doing fantasy football, to me, was a lot of fun. And like, it's part of one of the things that I love to do. Um, we've had a couple talks about possibly doing, like, a, a wiffle ball tournament. Like, that's something that, like, I would love to do. It just makes it a lot of fun. It can build that community. And it's an entry point into what we do that most people want to do. Because, like, most people, they hear about us now from either, like, being in the community or in churches. But, like, what about people that want to give to nonprofits um, whether the church or not, and they just don't have, they don't know of one. Maybe by playing wiffle ball, they can hear about one and it can become a thing. So it's important to just find those areas of community. And let's look beyond fundraising as like, oh, well, it's just this stumbling block to help us do what we actually want to do. But actually see it as a way that can 
not only like fuel your ministry, but accelerate it. Because through there, you might have your future board members when you're looking to minister to them as opposed to just asking them for money. You're looking at future staff members. You're looking at future people that can help kind of continue your cause, that can do some peer-to-peer fundraising for you. Because obviously, it's always tough to continue a fundraise. But if you have people that are excited about it, like growing that network is always great. So let's unlearn the idea that funds and fundraising is just this annoying thing that we have to get through. (coughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope it is for you. Let's talk Confessions of a Missionary. So I mentioned in our ministry update that there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about here. So it's funny how God kind of works when it comes to mission services because like I, I'll still ask for mission services and I'll still like kind of go after them, but not as strong as I used to, mainly because like, especially this year between having a baby and doing all of the, the tavern work as well as some of the learning center work too, like it's just been a lot. And traveling extensively is just, it's a challenge when you have two, two kids and a wife to consider. Um, I'm not going to have my, my three-year-old out at a Sunday evening service that's three hours away. It's just not going to happen. So, um, kind of, it's, I kind of let mission services happen organically because also, once again, like my goal isn't to just have a mission service and leave. My goal is to build community and to create those connections that last longer. So kind of out of nowhere, I got asked to be a part of a couple of different missions windows and two happened to land on the same day. One was in the morning here locally and another was about an hour away in the evening. And so both of them, it's a lot of fun. I had a good time, but I just wanted to kind of recap, like, because it's something I've never done before, doing two different churches, two services in the same day. I've done, like, two different services for a single church, so, like, doing a, say, like, a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m., like, that type of thing. But I've never done two different churches. And there's a few things that I learned kind of through that experience. First of all, it's very interesting to see how different churches can be. Um, Because the first church I went to, it was kind of on the older side. Um, But the second church, I did just a youth group, but the youth group was was pretty big in, in and of itself. So it's just so interesting to see how, I love how diverse different churches can be and how unique and how every church kind of has its own like identity and kind of their own vibe. So I thought that that was kind of cool. Um, I'll also say that even though like the first service was at 11 and then the second wasn't until five, it's still a really long day. Um, I'm glad that I did not have I did not have Shelby and the kids come to the second one, just because I knew like evening service it's about an hour away. If we're lucky, we'd get back at eight eight thirty, which like for me isn't late, but for our kids would be. And so they they ended up staying home, and I just did the one by myself. But in the end, it's a long day. Um, it's still a good day. Um, I had a great time. 
it was good catching up with people and it's good to kind of continue to build that community. But it's a lot because it's one thing for you to do ministry, like to do ministry on your own. And let's say it's a long day. So like you have like a special service in the evening or something like that. But like when you're going to two different churches, it just, it just feels very different. It was good though. I, I think we made a lot of really good connections kind of to harp on the idea of fundraising as ministry. There was a lot of people that said, Hey, like we want to get involved. We want to help, help you guys change the community. So it was good. We're excited for kind of the, the renewed strength from these said um, churches. And I'm also just really thankful that they gave us the opportunity to, to kind of share our heart. So that's kind of it for confessions of a missionary. And that's going to kind of wrap us up here. So um, this ends our three-week series on deconstructing fundraising. I hope through it you understand that fundraising isn't just about doing those things that are really daunting and struggling, but finding a way to bring joy to it. And it's not just about you or it's not just about the money or it's not just about, well, I need to get this over with it's about the things that you can learn along the way like taking a journey is great but what can change you is going from point a to point b and what happens along the way so next week we're going to talk a little bit about social media and i wanted to kind of recap a couple of changes that i've made with my social media that i want to encourage you to consider so this is Ken McQuiller. See you guys next week. God bless.